Hi everybody, welcome back. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by again by Life of Education. Lifeofeducation.com is the world's only dedicated health and fitness educational website delivering health and fitness content to fitness professionals and fitness enthusiasts from a variety of sections of the health and fitness world with talks and lectures in areas of nutrition, anatomy and physiology, sports medicine, female development, yoga, pilates, uh, strength conditioning, the business of fitness, um, that's a sports science. Many more also will be added in the future. Allo's mission is to bring leading experts from around the world of health and fitness together on one platform to share their knowledge and expertise on a global scale. One of the f- talks that uh, Life of Education is going to feature is by the course director from St. Mary's University uh, Masters in Sport Rehabilitation in London. Um, and the course is basically designed around giving people the fundamental information they need to know, the principles behind injuries and rehab. So it's not a case of if this injury, then this, because things aren't that um, smooth sailing and deliberate or direct rather and simple when you're trying to rehab a complex ACL injury, uh, ACL reconstruction with different types of tendon uh, graft. So, what Ollie Blankensop has created is a first a lecture on pain. What is pain? Understanding pain and understanding the difference between actual structural tissue damage stimulating pain or pain that's coming from the body, from the brain's um, association with there being a threat in that area. That's quite a that's quite a huge difference when you're trying to rehab somebody when you're trying to understand why is this person in pain we haven't done anything different we in the gym or we in the class this person should be free from this injury that we've gone they've gone for scans the scan says everything's okay so why is this person in pain well ollie delves into that and explains the difference between structural tissue damage pain and just pain being manifested in the brain both are very very real and both are very debilitating but both require a different strategy to try and uh, fix. He also goes into the basics behind muscle injury as a whole, ligaments injuries, how you rehab ligament, what the basic principles are, and tendon injuries. And then, as a coach or as a person who's avid in sports and loves your sports and lo- loves to move or cross wh- whoever's listening, understanding those principles, you can insert whatever ligament injury, whatever whether it's ankle, whether it's knee, or whether it's shoulder. You can insert muscle injury. He uses the hamstring as a prime example because it's one of the most commonly torn muscles There's more so than any other uh, muscle um, so but taking the principles from the hamstring injury how to train it how to rehab it you can insert your calf you can insert your quad you can insert one of your your bicep whatever muscle it is and then the same for tendon how to rehab a tendon how to load a tendon when to load a tendon when to not load a tendon um, so it's a really really interesting course I'd advise everybody to go watch it because once it's released um, towards the end of the summer on a life of education because there's a lot of really really good information in there that will give you a better understanding of your own body um we'll, we'll move on to this podcast this podcast is just with me and matt uh we went on for quite a while we were expecting a guest to come in but as just before we set up i was checking my message and i realized that as a timing error i had made a massive mistake 
and me and Matt had set up everything and it was just going to be the two of us. So we just went in to talk about, began with Matt's Masters in Psychology and then just ran on from there. I can't even remember, but I'll get on with it. I hope you enjoy it. Hi guys, welcome back. Um, it's myself and Matt today, just the two of us. Uh, had a little scheduling mistake on my part, and the guest we were expecting to come in right now and join us isn't coming until tomorrow. So that's my bad. So it's just me and Matt, just the two of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt, what's happening with you? We're going to try and fill this time in interesting chat. Yeah, uh, well, so studying away at the moment, more or less, doing a psychology master's. And it's kind of essay writing time again. So it's been a few years, but basically trying to write an essay about whether or not I think psychology is a science. But to be fair, actually, a lot of the research kind of ties in nicely with the other stuff that I've done on the whole stress kind of adaptation and all that sort of jazz. Because um, a lot of the ways in which, I guess, well, the main critique of psychology is the fact that it's all a bit kind of fluffy and mushy and it, you know, it's, it's difficult to pin it down with any sort of scientific or mathematical rigor. Why is it considered fluffy? What's fluffy? Well, is it the whole thing of introspection? So like reflection and like imagine you're in therapy, say, and like a therapist is asking you to sort of, well, how do you feel about this? And how do you feel about that? And then you were to then try and like base some research on that, on how people feel or kind of qualitative research. So like people's opinions, people's thoughts, people's feelings, it's, uh, it's difficult to pin it down because you can basically end up more or less justifying any sort of conclusion by just kind of wangling like the data and right. so for instance there was a, a, a philosopher of science a guy called Karl Popper back in kind of the early 20th century who basically said that in order for something to be a science you'd have to falsify it like you, it has to be able you have to be able to prove it wrong so really all you're doing with like a hypothesis or something when you're trying to figure something out is you're never proving it right. You're just proving all the ways in which it's not wrong. And hopefully you can get as much evidence for that as possible to then make it more or less a certainty. Like, okay, this isn't, uh, we can't prove this wrong. In which case it's likely that it's true, right? Rather than trying to prove that it is true. If that makes sense. That sort of just hurt my brain a bit. Um, so it needs, you need to be able to disprove it. Whereas his argument with things like psychology is you can't disprove it. Okay. And he gives the example, like imagine you're sitting you see a guy sitting by the river and he jumps in and kills himself and you could basically say that he uh did it because of his relationship with his mother when he was a kid then it led to all this kind of psychological catastrophe and now he's chosen to kill himself but then you could also if he didn't kill himself and he actually decided you know what, i'm not gonna kill myself you could then also work it back to his relationship with his mother yeah okay. do you know what i mean like so yeah. you could just find any way of justifying what's happened um, whereas obviously with things like physics and stuff and maths it's very easy to disprove it does this plane fly? no okay then it's false and it only requires one instance uh, of disproving it to completely eradicate the theory yeah more or less and people debate that but in any case so yeah so psychology is considered mushy and it's basically trying just because to you can't disprove it well so he would say right uh, but 
it kind of fails because then, well, you can't falsify evolution and you can't falsify things like the statement of um, there is every man is mortal. You can't disprove that. Do you know what I mean? Um, so that's kind of like the easy loopholes in it. And then other people have kind of criticized it, saying, well, science doesn't really work that way. It, it works. Uh, a guy called Thomas Kuhn, who wrote this book called The Scientific Revolution, he says that science and the scientific method is more kind of a piecing together of different paradigms and things like that, and different thought processes, and people kind of work towards adding more evidence, and then something will happen, like there'll be some sort of uh, realization or some sort of, well, how you would describe it, a revolution, where somebody comes up with something different that then kind of adds on to all of that. And So there's all these different opinions, and basically it's trying to wade my way through that uh, to basically come up with evidence for why psychology is a science. And then the stuff that's kind of linked back to the stress stuff that I've done beforehand is people's attempts to mathematically uh, kind of pin down psychology. So things like chaos theory and what's called in like maths is like nonlinear dynamics. So the idea that small initial changes to something can then kind of blow it out of sort of proportion. So like the butterfly effect. Butterfly effect, effect yeah. yeah. So the, the butterfly flaps its wings in London and a hurricane kind of happens on the other side of the world yeah uh and one of the chapter i've actually just read of this uh this book i bought about it kind of pinned it back to health so he was he's calls himself a psychophysiologist and he was saying that we what's see the that, guy's name i can't remember now right um but he's saying that we see it in day-to-day life so you wake up in the morning and let's say you you hear somebody bitch about you or something like that they say like oh, fuck like massive cunt <laughs> and then suddenly you then start thinking like oh shit okay I'm now going to think about and now I'm in a bad mood now I'm sort of thinking oh, well what a dick why did he say that and then I start thinking about this and that and then the way in which I then interact with somebody else is yeah. changed and so on and so forth so a small thing a small initial change to uh, starting conditions has then just suddenly chaotically kind of exploded up um, and it just goes to show like the impacts of lifestyle on everything and you imagine what's going on in your physiology with that that one little statement cortisol increases you start going into this kind of sympathetic function yeah. and then uh, the whole thing spirals out and suddenly you're there squatting in the evening and you're like oh, I'm not really feeling it today yeah that can definitely happen I feel that a lot of the times how does that link to the proving whether psychology is a science well, because it's basically a mathematical way of describing uh, how people's feelings change. Because chaos, I mean, you can, I, it's beyond my understanding, but nonlinear dynamics requires like all of these this mathematical equations and stuff. Because it's, it's, not, it's not random, like chaos isn't random. You can still have, uh, pinpoint it to certain things that they call attractors. So if you imagine, well, when you see it like uh, diagrams, uh, like fractal diagrams, and things like that there's this you see them it's kind of chaotic but it all kind of pins around a certain point right okay and so in the way of they sort of describe it in psychology is that they call it like strange attractors for a variety of different reasons and mathematical reasons which i'm still trying to wrap my head around but the idea is that it's not completely random you can show it in math and you can almost describe how it's gonna go but it just doesn't happen in a linear way um like when you know you have a, a stream and the water flow suddenly changes or you like drop a 
pebble into it and suddenly it alters the whole current and it kind of it, it's not random because it's still been caused by something and you could still describe how it's going to go but it's just not in a linear way like in kind of newtonian sort of physics where if i push this it will yeah, go okay. do you know what i mean um it's it's kind of heady stuff but it's people far smarter than i have sort of structured it and pinned it down and yeah. put all these mathematical equations to people's thoughts and feelings and psychoanalysis and so i'm kind of using that as my uh, example to kind of counteract or well to uh, counter things like what Karl popper has said and some of these other guys right criticize psychology saying it's too sort of fluffy no actually it's not and it's there's even some papers i'm reading now where like quantum physicists are sort of weighing in and they're trying to describe it from a quantum level and it's yeah i mean you can go as deep as you like so yeah that's that's been my last few weeks so you're you're arguing that it is a science yeah is there not a ton of people have done that or is it is it that up in the air still like yeah, it, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, very much so. Like people say that it's in crisis. The whole field's in crisis because there's too many viewpoints. So, for instance, uh, let's say you had like a functional MRI of uh, you watching, I don't know, some gory horror film or whatever else. Or how do you get from kind of the lights flashing on the screen with your, of your brain activity to then how you perceive the world and reflect and blah blah blah? So it's like there's this very behavioral science kind of viewpoint to the left and then there's this whole introspective humanistic psychology mm. to the right and then it's how do you find the link joining the two and people back in the 90s reckon chaos theory was it there's not a huge amount of research done on it now for some reason i don't know if it's i'm still figuring that why that's the case but it still seems plausible that it can all be tied in together by nonlinear dynamics and things like that or like quantum physics and things yeah i've read a lot of stuff on like just come back to what I said about the guy jumping into the river. I've read a lot of stuff on psychology, just in stories and in books where they're pinning stuff back to people's childhood and they're pinning stuff back to people's experience growing up. And I don't know if that's like just connecting dots to confirm the bias or... Well, that's it. Like, so it's, it's tough. Like it's, yeah. You know. Because more traumatic stuff happens to people as adults, do you know? Yeah. Like there's more stress... So your brain and your nervous system is way more out of sync when you're an adult. Well, to a certain extent, so the reason, well, as I understand it, the reason why things affect you more as a child is because your self is still developing, right? Yeah, it's imprinting, isn't it? You don't have a it? core thing. So when you're an adult, you know who you are. You have a, a kind of a sense of identity and things like that. But so that's assuming that then when you get to adulthood, you stop imprinting, as in you would stop learning. Well, it's not so much like learning, like it's, it's kind of on a deeper level. So as in who you are is more or less set in stone. I mean, you can, it's, it's like people say that you can never really change your nature, you know. You can develop it and you can be aware of it to the point where you can form strategies to say if you're like, if you know you're an angry person, it's like, right, I'm going to try to not be angry mm. and I'm going to meditate and do all these things. But my nature is still to be angry, you know. Whereas when you're a child, it's still kind of up in the air, like you're still forming everything. And so, and that's why they I just literally just read like a couple of pages about this person describing their client who had multiple personality disorder. Yeah, well, was, that's next level stuff. That's and, stuff. Uh, but the way he described it was like, because this, this was his view of trying to link fractal geometry to the forming of the psyche. And the way he looked at it was the typical sort of Euclidean geometry, like just normal triangles and things like that. It's kind of like uh, 
your day-to-day experiences and things like that kind of pieced together and you're you making sense of the world but then on the layer deeper of that he would describe it as more of a fractal nature where actually loads of different sort of pieces when you've been forming as uh, developing as a child have kind of come together um, to form that base kind of structure from which all the other structures are then built upon and his client he was saying just had so much traumatic stuff happen to them as a kid that those pieces could never quite form together and what they ended up doing was forming separate personalities right I see. so he had these multiple structures rather than one sort of coherent whole as a way of dealing with all the different things that were happening to him so when his mom was abusing him and beating him and whatever else yeah, yeah. that was one personality and then he had to form another personality to make sense of the world outside of that and so on like i totally get that there's definitely things that happen to kids that throw them off track for yeah. sure but like if you're a person who's just struggling with a with a whatever kind of mundane life stress issue in your head and you start reading you can run down rabbit holes of going oh this is because of this and this is because of that when i was younger yeah for sure but you're, you're forgetting the fact that you spent 10 years from 18 to 28 drinking alcohol yeah punishing your brain you maybe you didn't sleep Maybe you just had, I don't know, just had some awful, you know, financial stress or then you had a bereavement as an adult um, and you're always looking back to a kid or like if you're in your 40s or 50s, you've just had this long life of sort of a dull existence just imprinting this misery in your brain. Yeah. And people will try and track it back to when you're a kid, but it's like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm really speaking way above what I know. People say that's a fallacy. I mean, I think the term that was coined was a narrative fallacy where people we have this innate sort of uh, nature to try and connect things and make a story out of it. So then it gives more meaning to what we do. Yeah, it explains it, yeah. But, and that's one of the criticisms of things like history and like the study of history is in this linking together of all these causal events. And again, this kind of comes back to the chaos theory as well, where it's like, look, the world is so chaotic with all these little things changing, all of these little yeah. initial conditions. And then it all just kind of flurries out that the idea that it's that simple for us to connect life events is probably is a little bit of a fallacy and there is almost a not randomness but these are all individual events that have just happened and actually none of them are particularly linked together at all yeah i can see it working on that scale or i can see the whole chaos on that scale of history like second world war splitting borders all that kind of weird stuff that 100 years later is still paying the price for but also i think people connect a lot of anthropology Uh, like in caveman days we used to do this so that's why we whatever when we're adults you know all that stuff i think there's a risk of people always looking for the evolutionary explanation as to why yeah so that's the that was the main criticism of uh stephen pinker's book that um the better angels of our nature where he basically says like you know what things are actually going pretty good and we're actually getting better as a species we're less violent we're less these things and then the uh the author and the, the finance guy, Nassim Nicholas Taleb, basically called bullshit. And he was saying that, uh, what did he say? He's, yeah, he then worked it out mathematically. So he basically got all the raw data again in terms of all the casualties in different battles. And he basically worked out that actually, no, we're still just as violent as we ever were. Um, we're just in a, 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 like a span of time that's relatively peaceful. But and his main criticism was the fact that he, he reckoned that Stephen Pinker basically fudged the data and you're saying that, and it was, he then kind of criticized something that historians do. It's like, why, why do you sort of categorize things under certain conflicts? So things like the Hundred Years' War or like the Mongol invasions and things like that. It's like, the only reason they do it is because it's just kind of easier then to 
form. But if you look at them all almost as individual events, the time spans then he then gives is like, well, no, actually, it's, it's pretty much just been constant the whole way through. Like, we've always been violent. We haven't changed at all, not in the slightest. But it's interesting when you start working because you, you assume that you take that for granted. Like, you read a history book, it's like, oh, this is the Hundred Years' War. And it's like, well, why is it the Hundred Years' War? Like, it's a subjective way of categorizing something. It's just down to the historian who happened to look at it first and then everybody starts using the same term because then you think, okay, well, major conflicts are going down. It's like, well, are they? What if we didn't piece it together as like the Hundred Years' War or the Mongol invasions and instead we just took them all as kind of individual events or individual sort of battles or groups of battles that happened over the course of several days? It's interesting. Like He wrote like a whole paper and essay on it and... Obviously, then Stephen Pinker then had a rebuttal, and he said, "Well, no, actually, it's this reason and that." But he it's then, a good debate, though. It'd be yeah, interesting yeah. to listen to. There's a lot of stuff like that that people think they have the facts, and it's just like, is it? Is it it's good to know about. It. It's good to read. Yeah, and then you sort of have to form your own little story in your head to connect it. Otherwise, everything just gets way too scary. Do you know? Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly that. So it's your way of making meaning, and then just yeah. trying to get through the day. Yeah, you know, you'd like to tell yourself things. Like, oh well, the reason that I had that car accident was so that I could then go on into the Paralympics and I could do yeah. this. And everything happens for a reason. Yeah, all that all that shit stuff was meant to happen because yeah. now I'm a little bit happier and I met this person. I don't, yeah. I don't. I've Which had, isn't a bad thing. Like we're sort of saying, this is almost like a criticism, but it's like if that's what you need to. do. Yeah, yeah. Look, if that's if, as long as at the end of all that belief, you're a good person and you're not, you know, yeah. mistreating other people. I totally, I totally. Th- disagree with that whole thing that everything happens for a reason and i've had this conversation with a few people over the years like i think everything happens as a direct result of a choice that you make and then there's a whole deeper level which i don't quite understand about i haven't got my head around whether we actually have free will or whether we don't have free will which is something like definitely can't speak about but that's the next level but i don't think that's a whole crazy argument. Yeah, I don't, I don't really understand it really to speak about it, but there is an argument out there if anyone wants to go look it up that some people can legitimately explain how we don't have free will and we're just, we're just a yeah. reaction to neurons. That that yeah, there was some study that found that when people, I think it was done in a functional MRI, it was done in something, some MRI where they're basically looking at the brain's activity and there was a, I think they found, so they gave people like a task and it's like pick up the cup or pick up any of the objects or on the table and they found that the brain would fire first and then the person would make the decision. But there was enough of a gap that it wasn't like this kind of synchronous thing. I'm, I'm explaining this horribly, but it basically led to the, the idea that, well, actually, maybe you don't have free will. There is some subconscious kind of thing going on that's telling you what object to go for or whether to pick something up or what action to perform. That gets really... Well, yeah, I think... Heady. Yeah, when you go to that kind of minute level, but on the grander scale, like people's subconscious definitely controls their behavior like when you're talking the extreme end of the spectrum like you're chatting to a girl or a guy on a date and they say something that you weren't expecting to impress you and it impresses you you know and that's not like oh and you have that feeling of oh i wasn't expecting that to that's actually quite impressive or that's you know that's really really interesting i wasn't expecting that to stimulate me that way that's on a subconscious level so then you would act on that and you'd have that conversation or if you're threatened by something you know way back in the back of your mind you might be super paranoid about whatever snakes and then you don't know you've never seen a snake but you suddenly you see one and you're like now you've just yeah there's definitely that innate imprinting somewhere like evolutionary which is on the subconscious level and then yeah but to go all the way down to like, I'm going to walk through that door. 
no, I'm not. Yes, I am. No, I'm not. Yes, I am. Well, I've just decided I am, so I'm going to do it. So that's choice. But yeah. it's like, well, yeah, I, now we're about to get too deep into that. But going back to the other thing about everything happens for a reason and if we're just on this track I don't I don't believe in that this might be getting a bit too philosophical but I think everything happens as a direct result of all the other previous decisions you make and yeah. I think you do have control and I think it's too easy to say you know that happened for this reason then I was meant to go and do this good deed or I was meant to go and then meet this person or it's like well along the way you could have got sidetracked but your personality whatever reason for that steered you towards this and yeah. Your personality is based on the stuff that you've decided upon in the past and the experiences that you've chosen to have. So I don't know. I don't I think it's too easy for people to say everything. Yeah, it's almost like an excuse. And I obviously, like, bringing it full circle back to the gym, like, people's excuses for not being able to come or not being able to train or not lose weight and so on and so forth. There's always this uh, almost, like, existential reason, like, oh, I just don't have the genetics for it or I just, I'm one of these people that... I just can't do this or I, I can't lose weight because of this yeah. reason. And I put a post up about sleep. I didn't write the post. I just plagiarized it, which I, like I normally do. But it's just simply saying you can lose muscle. The most interesting thing I found from it was you can, you can lose muscle from lack of sleep. So I put this post up, boom. And someone commented, one of, one of Ruin's clients who we won't say his name, commented saying, uh, just like, okay, this is great, but what's the solution? And I was like, are you, I said to him, are you trolling me here? And he was like, no, I just thought, that, like, genuinely just wondering, like, what's the solution? I was like, well, I was like, I don't, I'm definitely not an expert on sleep, and I'm not claiming to be. Yeah. But I think the solution is to get more sleep. And he yeah. replies, says the dietitian to the anorexic. And oh, I was like, no. I said to him, I was like, do you, and this is all on the comments on the thing. It was a friendly chat. I know the guy well. It's, there's, there's nothing and I wanted to make sure that anybody reading it understood it was friendly yeah. like there was no we do, I tried to insinuate that I knew the guy and this wasn't two randoms just going at it but I was like are you suggesting that your inability to sleep is a psychological disorder the same way anorexics is and then somebody from some other country comes in with a really long pitch this only happened very recently oh, no, with references not even just it's just a long <laughs> bubble and it's just talking about how like people think they can't get to sleep they should just go to sleep everybody thinks it's warrior like to be you know i survive on four hours sleep and i still go to work and i still this sleep is for the week well, that's true to some extent. But yeah, but no, no. What the person was saying was true that people have this opinion. Yeah, but I was just like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, the idea. Okay, you actually, and I know the guy. He's not got six kids. He's not yeah. got a shift job, or he's not a, you know, cabin crew or pilot where he's on. <laughs> but even that, see, I think I think people try and use their kids way too much as an excuse. I mean, and and you know, now we're saying this. I don't yeah. have kids, so I don't know what I'm talking about. But. Uh, and I'll tell you why. So on, on, the, on this uh, psychology master's thing, like, it's all online, so it's all forum-based and so on and so forth. And somebody uh, posted up a little thread just in kind of like the, the social forum area. And they're saying that they were kind of completely overwhelmed with the course and they were like really struggling and so on and so forth. And then loads of other people waited and said, like, yeah, I'm overwhelmed and I'm this. And, but more or less every single one kind of use their kids as some sort of oh, I've got two kids and I've got this and I've got that and it's like nobody nobody, nobody forced you to have their kids and, well assuming that's the case like presumably you made the choice to have children and then you made the choice to, to do the studying and then you made the choice just to turn the market yeah it's not like you've uh, afflicted I'd understand if somebody said like look I'm blind yeah 
uh, somebody threw acid in my face <laughs> and I'm blind and now I can't look at the screen like that okay fair enough now you know that's a legitimate excuse but it's like look you're doing the thing you just you make the best of it right you just you try um, have you ever read Jocko Willink's stuff um, I don't have I read it Seal, dude. I definitely have read a lot of his stuff I don't know what's his book called well he's, he's got a few but the one I'm kind of leading into is his one uh, it's the discipline equals freedom yeah. field manual right and it's, it's it's good like it's a short book it's pretty much like uh, giving you a kick up the ass on every page but his I used to listen to his podcast but it, they're long and he's it's a lot of military stuff that's pretty much all military yeah stuff. so I just had to turn it off yeah it's uh, it's interesting you get some good characters on it but his basic thing is like look if you if you don't want to eat rubbish like just just don't and it's pretty much every page like this you want to get more sleep right sleep nap do something do you know but it's it, it's kind of simple to the point of like lunacy but it's true oh it's so true like I think people and again we're not discounting kind of the whole psychological impact like for sure there are different uh, issues that people have and there are different conditions that stop you from losing weight or not getting sleep but I think it's like it's like a pendulum swinging it's gone way too far the other way so that people kind of like try and find some crazy complicated reason and excuse for why they are that way yeah and something and that's out of their control a little bit something that's out of their con- well yeah I think it's something that they pin it on that's out of their control yeah. that they're blameless for yeah exactly like, whoa I can't. are you doing every single thing you can do yeah. to make the opposite happen um, and look one I don't know what I'm talking about, I don't know what you're talking about because neither of us have kids, but I know plenty of women and men who do have kids and who are very fit, very healthy, yeah, very, very set up. They it's almost like, a, like on a moral basis, like you're, you're, you're almost, the, the things that you're saying is almost like a resentment of your children. Do you know what I mean? Like you're using them as the reason why you can't get ahead in the world, which is kind of messed up because if you start saying that often enough, like surely at some point you're going to really start to actually resent your kids and be a little bit bitter, you know? Possibly, but then at the same time you get so much other joy, don't you, that's selfless when you see your kids do something or, you know, you get that intrinsic um, joy from the kid that may probably prevent you from resenting them. But I think definitely, like, if if you're not sleeping, just go to bed, just change something. Like, it's it's really simple. And I'll check out that Jacko Willock thing and see what it's about, but there's... I just you hear people saying I've got someone who couldn't she hasn't made any of her morning sessions um, recently really struggling with, with shoulder pain and each session she comes in we free it up and she can put her hands over her head she comes back she misses the next session she misses the next session she comes back and it's back to almost to what it was just because yeah. stress and whatever whatever the whole other side of things so she's not doing her exercises in between but now she's also saying look stress of work stress of this stress of that and I'm just like okay I just literally the last time she's like I'll come back I'll come in next week I just wrap back on okay fine no worries like yeah I've stopped chasing in the same way that you have yeah like it's, I've it's just a case okay. of I'm here we've set an agreement out that we're going to do this but yeah. you have to come in and gosh like you're not in you, your shoulder is not working so you're not in, in great health yeah you're choosing to do other things over fixing this if you spun your world, maybe freeing up your shoulder and getting some intrinsic rewards from doing that would make all the other things you have that are stressing you and keeping you awake at night or whatever. It might make them easier. But right now, the strategy that you're using isn't working. So you need to change. This person needs to change it. But yeah. I can't, like, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not going to... Well, how do I say this? Like, I will chase them if I think that they're 
doing everything they can. If they do everything they can, I'll do everything I can. Yeah, there's like a, you know, you always have your clients and things like that who are generally regular and sometimes they just need kind of a kick up the ass like, come on, come yeah. in. Like they're a little bit tired, I'm not sure, come on. Yeah, or Grant, take a few days off, don't come in Thursday, Have take the weekend, yeah. we'll go next week. No drums. I know you've been in every week. I have it written down. You've been in every week since three months ago. Yeah. But the realization I come to this year, because it's, it's kind of a truism that people say, oh, well, you, you can only uh, help somebody when they want to be. Yeah. Helped. But, you know, when you sort of know things, but then, like, you really know it. I've kind of come to that realization this year. Like, if there's clients and stuff like that who are a little bit flaky and they, like, they come up with those excuses... There literally is nothing that you can say that will convince them to come in. Unless they realize it themselves, there's nothing you can say. Yeah. And I've more or less completely stopped even trying to convince people. Like I, I stopped selling people on the idea of being physically fit and healthy. It's like you either know it and you feel or you, you kind of don't. And you just need to get yourself into a place where you're kind of uh, you come to realize it. That's interesting because I think I've, I've got the same thing. And I it's almost like I, I, just not, I don't want to watch somebody fall. Yeah. But it's like, all right, you might need to fall a little lower, yeah. get a little bit closer to rock bottom before you realize you need a change. Yeah. And it's like, I say this a few times, it's not like when you go to the gym. It's not like dropping your car off to the mechanic, getting it back in, switching your brain off, getting it back in an hour and someone's fixed it. It's like you have to do it. Mm. You have to experience it. And you, like you were saying a second ago, you have to just do it. If you want to get fit, Go and do something if you want to lose weight. Stop eating this. Like, there's your choice. There's the food in front of you. Just don't eat it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a case of there's some people that you'll, I will put the effort in and I will pep talk and I will pull aside because I know, like, I know their history. I know that they really want this. But yeah, they're just going through a bit of a. Yeah, they're just having a lull. And like, I know a girl, she hasn't trained me in about six months, but every month I'll send her a message on how's it going because I know she's getting married and I know she used to. She used to smash the gym. Uh, it must be more than six months ago now. Where are we now? July? Yeah, way before six months ago. So I know when she comes in, she's on it. Do you know, so she, she knows where her just. I need to just check in with her to see has her life changed, has work back, giving her more time. If not, okay, look, I'll talk to you next month. I'll chase her because I know she understands it and she gets it. But when you get these people coming in, even it's, it's in a simple case of as well on social media, you get a message. The first thing you do, how much are your rates? All right, well, don't worry about it. Yeah. Like, I'm actually not that expensive. But uh, if that's what you're concerned about, then we're not going to work. Yeah, as a first yeah. priority. If that's your opener, if that's what your selection process is based on, the price, yeah. then you've got a bit more to go before like we're I'm going to have any success with you somebody will join a class go for one of those cheaper options but it's not what I do so like oh, I hate to be rude but I'm just maybe going to not reply to this yeah. to this person this random person also you've just come in over social media you just ping me a one liner yeah. like let's have a little mm-hmm. like say hello butter me up a little bit yeah, yeah. like maybe <laughs> a little hello how you doing you know make me like you a bit um because we're going to spend a lot of time together. We're going to spend yeah. three, four hours a week for the next however long you need to you need to train for. Yeah, that's why you can't. That's why you really need to want to be fit and healthy. Because it's it's an uncomfortable process. There's no guarantee of result. It takes a long time, and it's a lifestyle choice. So it's you know unless you're really willing to invest in all of that, you can't just pretend. You know you have to actually want it. And I tell you what, there's enough people out there who do want it. 
Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like we have five no, five got, slots per hour. Yeah, like some of our clients have been with us. For years. Yeah, I've got five people per hour. I don't really need a fluffy six person. On you know, I would rather leave a space free for someone who I know has gone away for a month, but I know that they work their ass off when they come in. They get on with everybody but they're away for ramadan okay great i have another person looking for that same time it's like well maybe you're not a good fit for the group do you know maybe you're i don't really i don't need to take you on right now so maybe this is sounding really bad i don't know how this how this message is coming across it's it's, yeah it's important to because it is a relationship like and it's a whole craft that's built on a relationship it's you know it's uh it's a bit of a cliche to compare it to things like uh a sculptor or something like that but it, it's true to a certain extent but whereas a sculptor would deal with clay and other materials you know you're dealing with a human being dealing with a personality is, well yeah exactly and a part of dealing with a human being is to be able to communicate with them and to find some sort of level of understanding where you're both at the same sort of place and so, you know it's a whole thing it's uh, it's definitely the better part of the job like it's definitely what certainly makes me enjoy it uh, more like it, it is that kind of the art rather than the science of it that's a little bit more entertaining and interesting because it's just so much more rewarding when you can make this kind of ridiculously complex sort of organism who's trying to work sure. it out to just kind of get along on a certain path and then have them be better for it do you know what i mean like that's that's cool like, it's, yeah there's a lot of reward in that morning when somebody comes in and they tell you something that's improved that neither of us were expecting to improve yeah as in like oh, I slept for the first time the whole weekend. Or I know you told me not to get on the scales, but I got on the scales this morning and I'm two kilos lighter. And you just feel, okay, yeah, it's happening. It's working for this person. Do we get the buy-in? If you get the buy-in and that changes them, great. Sometimes it doesn't, but it can be really rewarding at that stage. And it kind of goes back to that whole uh, the chaos theory thing. If, if I can just be the person that just sets you off on that kind of path that's a little bit more positive. So, for instance, one of my clients, he's going through a particularly tough time at the moment. And he just came in just to move. And, yeah, we just had a chat. We had a laugh, whatever else. And he just left. And like, oh, okay, yeah, I needed that. Yeah. He barely did anything. But it was just that one little thing. And now his interactions for the rest of the day, the way he perceives the world, is going to be that much brighter. That then it will impact something else. It will impact something else. And yeah, and also his relationship with you is that little bit stronger. So, he knows when the stuff gets bad in the rest of his week, next week, the week after. He knows that there is a place he can go. Yeah, for sure. You know, there's, there is one option he's got. He doesn't have to freak out. And not, he doesn't even have to take the option. He just has to know that there, is a, that there can be this time and place in his life that he can go and chill and do a little bit of this, do a little bit of that, and then just come out 10% better. Without that, if you're the coach who either pushes him through the same program, he goes to the same circuit class, he gets beasted in, or he doesn't go to the gym at all. He doesn't have that experience to remember. So he's stressed out for the next two weeks going, right, I need some break and I don't have any sort of outlet. Um, so just knowing that there's a place that you can go, that's hugely important. I've, I've done that with a few of my clients. And then when they tell me, look, I've got this, this, and this, going, look, dude, do it. Come to the gym anyway, and we'll see how you feel 10 minutes in. Yeah. Like, if you're not digging it, no big deal. The point is you're here. We're going to change some brain chemistry. We're going to push you, move you around a little bit, and then you're going to go home. Yeah. That's the benefit of the group stuff as well. People, yeah, for sure. People bounce off each other. But it's also, it's always, uh, cause there's always this kind of debate about how you should be a PT 
whether you should be the friend or whatever else. And there are definitely coaches out there who are like, no, we will not talk about anything other than training during that session. They get it done. They get it. We're going to like train hard, man. And we're going to go. We're going to get results. But Do you know people like that? Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. I would say actually more trainers are probably like that than not. Are they like that? Be- Maybe not so much like militarized and regimented. And rah, rah. Are they like that because they're just... They have no connection with their clients, or they oh, consciously so. set out to not build Some that relationship. Oh, really? Some big name people I've heard say that. Or the the flip side of it is, is that you then have the the entertainer who's there, always like, like, oh yeah, you know, keep going, like Mr. Motivator stuff. But I think that to be that way, like you miss out on a huge to be which way part of it. To be that we're not, I'm just going to be this this trainer to you rather than just a as yeah. a genuine other human being, and we're going to interact and you know all that and like and people have again more other big name people have said like no no it's bad for business to become friends with your clients and things like that and it's like man that's that's such a bizarre way of looking at the world that's a very detached view of things and i think the opposite i think that the reason that and i would say that us as a company our retention rates are way above average for the industry and i'd say that the reason for that is that we do end up becoming like we have a cool little community where we we go out and hang out with our clients and we yeah have like stuff like that happening on so yeah you can't stop people being human beings no you can't and you you need to know someone said this to me recently on the phone they're an old friend an old uh rugby member of my old rugby team um he got on to about whatever he, he but he said with anybody can do anybody can be a personal trainer and sensor anybody can set up a go online get a list of exercises and tell you what to do you know it's it's all out there he's like but a coach a real coach is someone who can or a really good trainer, someone who can, they know what the science says, and then they can implement it, and then they can react. They can see how a person's doing. They can see how they can judge a person's mood. They can judge a person's movement pattern. They can judge a person's, what's the word, like where they go wrong. Yeah. And they can implement something to fix, like they can troubleshoot, you know, whether it's a personality thing, whether it's a physical thing. Um, and I know clients, I could tell there was a, a female client of mine, would, I've been training for a long time. I know by the way she walks into the gym, what kind of mood she's in. Yeah. Do you know? I know. And it's not because one day she's got her head up and she's smiling. And another day she's got her head down and yeah, she's like, sense. yeah, you just get her. Oh, okay. And I, that immediately that sets the tone for the session. And then obviously a little bit of conversation. How are you feeling? Yeah, not great. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, whatever. But it's like, right, this isn't going to be a PB session. This is just going to be a, let's get her to work feeling better kind of session but yeah i don't know if it's i'm just trying to think about that like the whole business side of it just i think just shutting down and being like right 10 more yeah i think the second that you try to force things stuff normally goes badly somewhere along the line and so if you're trying to constrain particularly something like a a human being like you know that's what we do with we're social animals we form relationships we do all sorts of things. yeah definitely and so when you try and detach that and you try and force it to go down some other route it never quite works out somewhere along that you might get like some short-term benefits from it um but you lose something at some point you'd want to be a super specialist in your craft for somebody to tolerate that like you're just standing there telling me what to do like i'm not military yeah. like i'm spending an hour with you three times a week like Uh, I've distracted myself with a different train of thought there. Um, But when you're spending the time with somebody, like you need to know their life. If you're going to really help them, like you need to know what's going on in their background. And do they have, might there be a 
possible reason for this person not being able to smash this prowler out 10 times today like i don't know anything about this person we never talk i set my stall up uh that i don't get on with my clients i don't i don't hang out with them i don't chat to them so just do it and then you you're judging the performance based on what like what do you know about the person like human beings going back to what i was going to say human beings survive on community like yeah. nobody is able to yeah quite literally yeah like no one is able to survive in the wilderness by themselves you're going to get eaten you're going to yeah. you're going to starve Maybe like babies die unless you pick them up and hug them yeah you know I mean? like, well i mean imagine let's let's do the evolutionary thing we just spoke about earlier on you go back to that and you're the only person in the wilderness like what are you eating mm. how are you going to thrive how's your forgetting about your mating and your procreation all that shit but how are you going to actually stay warm you're going to build a hut yourself what are you going to do who are you going to talk to like the most punishing thing you can possibly have you can possibly be punished with is solitary confinement you're already in prison and once you punish a prisoner with solitary by yourself like you need people around you to to connect with and to work from their strengths pick their brain get advice on this get advice on that help someone else someone does your plumbing someone builds your house someone does your finances like the trainer helps you with the fitness thing but he doesn't just order you and tell you what to do like you need to be part of it yeah. and it's going to be that much harder as well when you're you're in one of those slumps to then go back to that sort of trainer i think because people get a kick out of it for the short-term benefits like the old military boot camp style where they literally just want somebody just to beast them but when you're not feeling up to it you, there's no way you're going down there do you know yeah because I, oh, I can't be asked to be shouted at today Whereas at least if it's an environment where, you know, okay, look, I can go down there and just do some light work and just chill and I'm going to be better off for it. Um, you're going to get a lot more progress and results that way. Like consistency is the key. So whatever helps you be consistent is more or less going to be the thing that will get you there. Just because even if it's kind of crap, all right, at least you've done it yeah. on multiple times frequently. And so there's going to be some gain somewhere. You know? Yeah, and there's going to be the imprinting habit of of showing up getting into your car going to the place doing the thing yeah leaving feeling better there was a post online which i had to really think about i don't really know how i felt about it but it was talking about banning the word just oh yeah i saw you post that the other day yeah yeah i reposted it did i repost it i did repost it but i don't really know how i felt about it i just thought it was interesting because people the whole post is about like you don't just do something you either do it you do a hundred percent or like don't get involved like you don't just it was sort of long and winded but the comments were really split i flipped through some of the comments i don't really like reading comments because just noisy neighbors a lot of the time but i just wanted to get a feel because i didn't know how i reacted and i actually reposted to see like if anybody would would bite to see what they would say but i think there is a benefit in just going to the gym as opposed to going to the gym 100 percent I, I, I put a poll up on my Instagram ages ago. Do you believe you always have to go hard or go home? Do you, like, do you always have to smash it? And I was quite surprised because Instagram lets you know who says what. I was quite surprised the amount of physios that said yes. Mm. I would have thought they understand the whole recovery process and the whole like time to chill and relax and let your body heal. But there's definitely a case of just get yourself down to the gym don't feel like you need to go 100 percent. and if you're training with somebody who has that mentality change course go to somebody else who can actually understand that you're uh yeah you're having a shocker of a day and look keith i wasn't going to come today but i decided i'd come down here and we'll, we'll do something 
Yeah, even just for the sake of the routine. Like, don't exactly. lose the routine. Like, yeah, yeah. That's a huge part of it. I, I, my first reply was, well, but look, fair play. At least you still came. I'm not going to tell you, no, mate, we're doing it. We've got this weight to do. We did this weight last week. You need to jack it up another two kilos this week. It's like, all right, let's see how you go. Usually, yeah. but usually by 10, 15 minutes into a session, someone's back. You know, they're back on top. Like, yeah, you get pumped and you're like, okay, yeah, sweet, let's yeah, go. Yeah, I'm glad I came. That's then you know it's, okay, I was just being a bit of a bitch. Yeah, they were just, <laughs> which is totally fine. Yeah, but we all have it. Yeah, but mate, the thing is, you came. You, mm. you showed up. You, got into the, you, you walked in the door and you put your bag down and you stood over here and told me, right, let's go. As opposed to going, I hate this coach. He just makes me do everything 100%. Mm. I'm not going to that session today. Yeah, like, that's bad for business from that coach as well. Yeah, I think things like that, that's just kind of like, I don't know just semantics <laughs> but it's that you know we're trying to find something i need to post something on social media today okay yeah. well what kind of yeah. pity sort of thing can i say yeah i don't like I, i've tr- i've made a few educating posts and they've just been like flop okay fine i'm not gonna do that anymore there's enough people out there creating the posts yeah. if i see something that stimulates a thought in my head or reflect a conversation i've had with a client recently i'll repost it and just yeah plagiarizing but it's, it's all about sharing isn't it like sharing. yeah but it's like what like, so this is why i deleted instagram and facebook and to be honest like, i can feel i feel better for it like it's a palpable sense of like ah where you're just not constantly getting this stream of bullshit just constantly in your face mm. like on the instagram feed we just see all these little uh um quotes and just yeah oh, god yeah i got to a point where it's actually just starting to irritate me and it's like wow why is this irritating me okay i've got a problem with this i need to just delete it and abstain for a while but yeah it's no there's a lot of noise on there but but it's all superficial i wouldn't mind if the noise was like so the people that i do follow or i still like i'll go in and check i'll go through like my uh, web browser rather than instagram just because i genuinely want to see what they have to say about something they're like interesting yeah there's like a genuine maybe not a fact but like an opinion and i was like okay i hadn't actually considered it that way before that was good or like just some you know, stupid funny pictures or something like that but like the, the deeper stuff yeah but i i really resent it when you get almost like comments like that posts like that where somebody is trying to put themselves as some sort of uh, authority on yeah on how you should feel do you know what i mean where they're saying like hey listen you shouldn't do this yeah. you're just gonna be like it's like well who are you for a start yeah, like, what yeah. are you talking there's about there's a lot of that definitely i can and and then when when like a thousand people are doing that okay now this is all meaningless because it's like what you know yeah i had a conversation with a an old friend of mine who's now the course director for the Masters in St. Mary's in, in, in Sport Rehab and he was slamming social media going like who like where are they getting all this info from like how can you just say this you can't and he was really angry and I was like mate like first of all it's the way of the world so like it's just the way it is right now but I said if you wanted there is an opportunity for somebody who is evidence based to come in and I think start, some, a lot more of the older generation, like the older sports scientists, the older doctors and physios are starting to get a handle on how to use it because yeah. I'm, I'm seeing stuff where there is references and there is studies being quoted. And the problem with those is it's an image-centric medium that the text is bulky and boring and hard to read if you're not used to reading about studies. So it takes a long time to kind of sift through what the point of this big, long whatever many character post is when I just want to look the picture of the last picture was some girl in a bikini. Then I see this one on like, what is this on? Let's say on sleep. And then you scroll, you've got to read the whole thing to get what the whole point of it yeah. to understand that that was a legit post. 
So then you go to your next one and you see one on uh, hydration. And I got to read the whole thing and I go, oh, that was bullshit. He's just telling me to drink six glasses of water. Mm. What? Okay. I've wasted some time now. Yeah. And you know that they've stolen it from somebody else. And like yeah. it just kind of does the whole... But I uh, think... The whole rounds. I think uh, it doesn't bother me so much, but you can surround yourself on Instagram with garbage if you want, or you can surround yourself with friends, or you can surround yourself with education, whatever you want. Like, there's enough yeah, out there. when the friends start fucking posting stuff. And like, oh. Yeah, well... <laughs> But I don't even necessarily mean there's a certain utility to people just putting facts and stuff out there um, because then just more people see it and more people become educated. It's like, all right, fair enough. Even though you're not necessarily the person, but I'm, I'm talking about even on the level of uh, like somebody saying, uh, I don't know, some pithy little post about how you shouldn't judge people as if like they're kind of like the, a moral authority on something, yeah. you know, irrespective of who they are. And you can probably bet that they're judging people all the time. But it's meaningless when it comes from that sort of place. Whereas then when you read, say, I don't know, um, uh, like Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl, who's a psychiatrist who was in the Auschwitz like, during the Holocaust. And he had this like horrendous time and whatever else. Now, when he tells you, okay, you genuinely shouldn't judge people who has had that experience. Mm. Now it's like, okay, now that's coming from a place where you genuinely mean it. And for, for you to say that, who has complete sort of... Uh, kind of free reign on like judge whoever you want after the way you've been treated fair enough or you know when you read like yeah. the classics and the ancients and like Marcus Aurelius star when he's telling you do you know what you probably shouldn't worry about the small things in life and he's there writing it while he's on the Rhine about to invade in Germania you know back in the day but like, I think it, that, it comes from do you know what I mean like it's yeah but what I think what you're sort of to go into the practical side of that right now Instagram's a very young person's place yeah no one has wisdom in their 20s. Everyone's just yeah, so faffing around. Like, shut up. Yeah, exactly. I totally agree. I, you have to shut up. Yeah. You should. Or go and, go and do something and then come back and tell us about yeah. it. Yeah. And some people now, the older, the older guys, there's a lot of doctors. I, I see them in the... You follow some people that give you to drop down. You follow the next group of people that pop underneath and you start to sort of... The algorithm starts to send more and more your way. And you start to see these older guys who are starting to get a handle on how to I can't think of their names because they've all got weird like weird combos of letters I'd, I'd love to quote a few but they're posting some good stuff um, and I don't know what their credentials are you know yeah. you don't see the CV on it but it's like alright this is pretty evenly balanced this isn't I, I can't stand the X's and pluses on these uh, X's and pluses like when you see a, two columns on a post and on the one side you got XXX don't oh, like see. this yeah, doesn't yeah, happen yeah, this yeah, doesn't yeah. happen to, this must happen, this must happen, this must happen. Yeah, this whole reductionist thing, like, this is always good. That's always bad. Yeah, like, it's like, it. or don't do this during a pull-up. Yeah. Why not? Uh, someone, po- someone posted something the other day, that really let me down. I really thought this person wouldn't go down that route. About foam rolling. Right. I foam roll every day. Foam roll helps increase the temperature of the blood and, and uh, yeah. blah, 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 blah. Now, one mention of the nervous system. And I was like, mm. you missed it. Yeah. You missed it forget it and it, it's, it was a picture of the person on a foam roller yeah it's like okay now I can get annoyed at that person going that's wrong that's wrong that's wrong you should have or just look at the person's coming from a good place you know they're trying to help they're finding their own style on social media I said this to one of the trainers here he's like just put some posts up just, just send some stuff out there it's not there's enough noise out there that no one's going to judge you and if they judge, judge you let them do that but find your style find what it is you like to do don't base it on the on the number of likes, you know. It's just just practice it, and you'll get better at it. Yeah, but also just do it 
like I'd say if you if it's something that you're genuinely concerned about or you have a genuine interest in it's like okay I've got this piece of information that I think is correct and it's helped me and then you post it up great but I think it you can almost tell when people have done it with a viewpoint of okay can I how can I generate the most amount of popularity from this post and I'm going to pick a topic that I think will generate the most amount of popularity rather than this is yeah, something yeah. that I'm genuinely really into you can almost tell that it's come from that place and you're like ugh nah yeah when you like there, sh- there just shouldn't be any negativity out there like I don't even like to don't do this like don't do this don't do this or there's people who they just give advice and it's a bit like are you stupid advice mm. they have that tone to it like yeah oh, here's another question on the thing like I said before you get that nutrition all the time like calorie debased stuff is like you know yeah like condescending yeah like firstly in my view on nutrition is the the highest paid experts who are in the labs looking through the cell looking through the microscope at the stuff they don't know yeah yeah. they don't know (laughs) and people on one side of the building will say one thing and people on the other side of the same building will say the opposite they just don't know yet so stop being so absolutist Mm. like and if the scientists don't know how do you know yeah and then how the hell do people in the public know Mm. so they have a million other things to worry about in their lives they have their job skills they don't have time to read the amount of stuff that you've read as a nutritionist so there's no way they're going to know. They just want to be told. That's not a great thing from them, fair enough. But you can't be out there just saying, it's this. If mm. this, then this. And why would you say that? Listen, I know best. Yeah. Like, what, what? like it's, it's, a, it's a bother to you to have to display your knowledge and tell everybody yeah. how it all is. And it's like, oh, God, shut up. And look, up. look, these are my transformation pictures with my clients. This is my story where I lost a load of weight. And these are all the people that failed on this other page because they didn't do what I said. Mm. Well, understand the big, big picture. Like, it's, there's not one law. There's not one thing. Your way is not completely f- foolproof. I don't want to curse. Um, oh, I've already, I think I've done every curse. Yeah, I know. You love dropping, it, dropping a bomb. But, <laughs> no, it's just, I don't know. It's, a, it's just a noisy place. I think uh, you've just got to establish your own credibility humbly, do you know? Yeah, but, yeah, like go out and seek the information and then come back and tell everybody don't just copy some other dude's post or you've just heard something so many times that now you just kind of believe it like do you actually know that the foam rolling increases the temperature of the muscle like do you yeah well yeah how do you? i was it's just uh, it's kind of a well it's not a cool story but it's a nice little way of thinking about it the old uh, scientist richard Feynman. i remember listening to one of his uh, lectures and he was talking about this like saying people like they say things and they, they don't know that that's the case it's about like pseudoscience and things like that like psychology uh, well potentially like psychology um, but he uses the example of people brushing their teeth and to be fair I hadn't really thought about it until he sort of mentioned it he goes, and he's asking the audience like do you know why you brush your teeth and they're kind of like oh well to, to clean my teeth it's like yeah but do you know that they're cleaner for it and uh, people obviously say oh well my food the food's gone and they're a little bit whiter and he goes how do you know that it's the cleanliness that's made it white and not just the fluoride or whatever that's in the toothpaste and they're like they don't and is that and how do you know to brush it twice why is it not three times or four times or five times why do you need to do it at all like and obviously nobody knows and he, but he he makes a point that is it's insane aspect of human nature 
that basically anywhere in the world, right along where light meets dark, everybody is brushing their teeth, but nobody knows why they're doing it because they've just been told so many times that it's the thing that you have to do that you just do it without question. And uh, you think about it on that level of just brushing your teeth, but then you see like, you know, in the gyms and nutrition and all these different things going on from rolling. Nobody's ever actually done the experiment themselves. Like obviously bar the researchers yeah, themselves. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. So nobody really knows that like, we're saying it because I think that this is the case. Yeah. And I, I see Well, it. if you go back, if you go to the strict point of, have you conducted the experiment yourself? Yeah. Because I tell you what, I conducted an experiment in university to see about the durability of strapping on an ankle before yeah. and after a bout of exercise. It doesn't work. Yeah. But my, exor- my experiment might have been flawed. Well, that's it. But this is them weighing up evidence. Yeah. Right? So then you think, okay, well, what evidence do I have? It's like, well, all right. I, I know that there are going to be studies that are going to be false and they're going to be kind of dubious and all this sort of stuff. And I know that there are studies that are going to be awesome and we could probably trust it. Like the, the planes stay in the air when we fly them. So I'm going to trust this evidence. Yeah. Plus I can see it. Like, and, I, and so that's the problem. And I think that's, and we've made this point a few times when we've been on the radio. It's like, okay, so in nutrition, you have no idea what it is you're supposed to do. So then you just try it. And then you see, like, imagine that you're on your own in the world and you have no evidence anywhere. How are you going to decide what to do? It's like, okay, well, I'm going to try it and I'm just going to observe how I feel and I'm going to observe what happens and then I'm going to make some sort of conclusion. And it's, uh, life would be a lot easier if everybody just kind of did that rather than looking at social media or just kind of putting up shit there. Oh, uh, yeah, but then you get people going, no, I did this and this worked and someone else is going, no, I did that and that worked. All right, my word against yours, what do, we, what do we fall back on? Yeah, but if you're making a choice for yourself, obviously you add the complexity of it and you start like forming societies and okay, you're going to have to come to some sort of group consensus yeah. on something, but for things like nutrition and your own body, I just try it. Like, cause yeah. People end up in that situation of they're the horse that gets stuck between the, the water and the hay. You, know, you never know quite what to do and so you don't do anything. But things like social media just almost make that worse because then there's all of this information. There's definitely people is. get really, really good at being able to memorize and repeat arguments for certain positions, and like you see it a lot on um, certain podcasts and things like that, where you have this guy come on and they'll give you like the in-depth, like molecular analysis of why you shouldn't eat gluten, and it's like you don't know, you've just read this somewhere else, like, and you've memorized it, and now you're repeating it back as if this is something that you've discovered, but like you don't have a clue. How would you suggest anybody knows anything then? Well, exactly. But so then, well, you, you start from the premise that, okay, well, I can't know anything for sure because there could always be something that's, uh, yeah. and, and it, this goes back to what we're saying at the start about the whole chaos theory. Thing. Yeah. The reason that I think this happens might not be the reason at all. It might be a complete grouping together of a variety of reasons. But in terms of how you live your daily life, well, what I'm suggesting is that you just try it see or group a load of evidence together to inform some sort of action and then see how that action uh, affects you so have some carbs and gluten and just observe how you feel and then maybe do it for a month or like six months observe how you feel right now let's change it and let's do something else and you know again observe how do you feel like always take the viewpoint that or try and look at something that's immediately under your nose and just try and think about it like putting all 
of what you think that you know to one side and just kind of try and see it for what it is. It's difficult. Like, it's yeah, it's definitely difficult. Because what Descartes tried to do back in like the 1600s, he literally locked himself away in his, uh, in his home in Amsterdam or his hotel room or something like that and literally tried to imagine that he didn't know anything and then started working from the ground up. Uh, but he was trying to like basically push everything to one side. So I think he literally had like a seat and a table in his room. It's obviously difficult to do because then he's got, well, he's got the floor and he's got the light and he's got all these things impacting his, uh, how he's sort of synthesizing the world around him. But it's probably not a, a wasted effort to try and do that, at least on some level, just in your daily life. Like if I imagined I didn't know anything about food, yeah, how, what would this carbohydrate do? Um, yeah, well, I mean, going down to sort of what you're really getting to is, is there such a thing as absolute truth and what is truth, which is way too philosophical for my brain. Um, but, well, only, uh, but on the level of how do you make it through the day? I'm not saying that you necessarily well, there's a lot of instinct that going everything. To bring it back to subconscious. There's a lot of instinctual stuff that you don't know. Like, how does, any, how does a baby know what to do when the baby's mother is about to breastfeed him? Do you yeah. know? Just nobody t- spoke him through the process or, the, or her. So there's a lot of instinctual stuff. Um, like I look at my dog going in and out of the heat, in and out of the garden. It's like nobody's told this dog that if he stays out in the heat, he's going to get too hot and he's going to yeah. overheat. He just instinctually comes back in when yeah, he's too well, hot. It's a sensation that's caused something in his brain to tell him. Like yeah, so it would be hard to be like, I don't know anything. Yeah, yeah but in, on the level of when you have a cake in front of you or like uh, some rice and you think, oh, well, I best not have carbs. Like, do you know why you shouldn't have carbs? Or has this just been this thing that you've told? God, yeah, well, in that case, Dan, you'd have, to, you'd have to learn everything about everything. Like, I don't know how my car works. Yeah. I just know that it works. And then when it breaks down, I'm absolutely screwed. Yeah, but on some level, you're not going to be at a disadvantage for having gone through that effort of like, okay, well, maybe I should work out how my car works. Yeah, or maybe absolutely. I should, like, but then I could just drop it off the mechanic and let them fix it and continue yeah. on with my day. But just like start with one thing, like nutrition. Just start with nutrition. No, look, the idea of what you're saying is just learn stuff, learn as much as you can. Yeah, but l- learn it from, yeah, yeah. Like not, you know, just looking at Instagram. Basically, I'm just in a roundabout way, just trying to sort of shit on Instagram. No, look, there's a lot of people who need to be shot on on Instagram. There's tons of people. But there's also a lot of people who are, they don't know what they don't know. Like, I don't know what I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There's some stuff that I've said on Instagram that could be, somebody could sit me down and go, right, let's look at this. Well, no, but you, you're, like, you're taking it from a place because you are in the gym every day trying these things. So when you say you, there's no point in you strapping your ankle, you're doing it from a place of I've observed hundreds of people try this thing mm. and in no case has it ever worked. Therefore, although I don't know, I think or you know, as long as you prefer, I think that it's yeah. the case that this doesn't work. Yeah, well, I, I do copy someone else's post and post it, and I'll always try and say something like, either I really like this, inherently this is why I'm sharing it, or this taught me something, this is why I'm sharing it. And I found the few posts I did where it's like, where I started from scratch with a blank image and I created something and I put something, then I wrote the blurb underneath it, I was like, that's not worth my time. Yeah. creating that whole thing for what like I won't be doing that again yeah. but my point is is that you there's some weight behind what you say when it comes to rehab because you do it whereas a lot of trainers they're like 
you know, they might be six months into the job or they might not have that education or even have tried it. Like foam rolling is kind of a classic one because there isn't really any, any no. evidence to suggest that it has any long-term benefit. Especially not on fascia. Stop yeah. talking about fascia. And so, but then even, even when you roll, okay, I feel better. Like I, if I observe how I feel after a foam rolling session, there's like a slight relief, mm-hmm. but I can't. I'd be lying if I said that it's done anything that a warm-up alone wouldn't have done. You know, or moving. Like I've never been in a situation. It's like wow. Other than to bend, uh, to use as an object to bend my thoracic spine over. You know? Yeah. But I can't think of a time where I've ever been like, man, I'm really glad I foam rolled, and that's done something beyond what a warm up or just moving would have done. Specifically with a foam roller or any sort of tissue release. No massage. Yes. Yeah. Okay. But I think the difference with that is that just the surface area of your thumbs you're able yeah. to get a lot more dexterity and manipulation of things yeah and you rather can, than just and also rolling. with uh, massage the person is lying down relaxed with yeah, a, foam, it's a pleasurable thing yeah with a foam rolling you're you're often slightly engaged pressing on a muscle that's well it's an effort as well like trying to feel yeah that's my point yeah, yeah that's exactly forth, like, that's exactly Jesus. my point um but people just don't people learn their anatomy in the courses that they go on and i was guilty of this and luckily it was drilled into my brain when I was in university we needed to know it. you just you needed to know it you needed to know it or get out so the anatomy I got a strong grasp of but people trainers come out and I speak to them now and they don't know their anatomy like yes. they don't know their mechanics they don't know what what this muscle is they don't know the, the group of muscles that control that movement that's cra- in my in my mind that's absolutely crazy I don't understand how they, I don't understand how they have conversations with clients yeah how do they sidestep that? Because the, 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 the day, I'd love to maybe put a clicker on the amount of times I have to talk about anatomy to people so yeah. that they understand it. And that's only the structure, the mechanics, before you even discuss how that muscle contracts, how it moves. Let's just say how it moves. How does it move? It gets information from the nervous system. How does it lengthen? How does it shorten? The nervous system sends a signal there. You basically just gone like quantum mechanics on people when yeah. you start talking about that. It it blows my mind when people who really know what they're talking about start telling telling me about it. So I can't even imagine what somebody would think. But everything comes down to the nervous system at some point. Like you can you can come well, yeah you can't yeah you can't do anything without it. You, yeah, like you can just keep going deeper, 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 and then it's something to do with the nervous pain, tension, tightness, pulling, uh, stiff. Um, like all these things that people feel guess what you're feeling you're feeling through the nervous system mm. and you, it's like you've said it in your, in your sentence I feel something well where do you feel it you feel it in your brain that's central nervous system so uh, like when people talk about exercises that you should and shouldn't do or, or pain or rehab or foam rolling or stretching like I, I read a post I'd love to do a post if I ever get time on like, should you spend time warming down, cooling down, stretching down, or should you jump, jump in a warm shower straight away? Mm. Like you're trying to restore its muscle to its, its original length. Okay, go deeper on that. Like what are you trying to, what's going to allow the muscle restore to its original length? Well, a relaxing of the thing that's causing it to stay tight. Okay, what's causing it to stay tight? The nerves that are supplying the area. Okay, how do we treat the nervous system to get the nervous system to relax? Well, I could stretch. I could jump in the shower straight or have a nice warm shower, circulate the blood, incur a parasympathetic response. I could lie on the ground and do nothing and breathe. Do you know? Yeah. Or 
I could eat. I could just straight away eat something. I'm going to have a parasympathetic response. But the idea of you should cool down or you should do this, it's like... Have ever done a cool down? Um, I used to do them after playing rugby because it, it was just an easy way to just to calm down. But after, after a gym session, maybe a little stretch. Mm. That's about all. Well, a stretch, yeah. Stretch in the shower and, and then some food and then good to go. But, uh, but yeah... Uh, I don't know where, where we... Yeah, I mean, the, the, uh, the thing that's kind of made me really appreciate that whole point about the nervous system is having done rock climbing and jiu-jitsu. So whenever I do one of those two things and I go hard at it, to be fair, even when I do it fairly light, it still happens. I get like this numbing sensation all the way down through my bicep, uh, sometimes across into my chest, but almost to the point where it's, it's kind of painful, but almost like I can't lift my arm anymore. Right, And the thing is, is that I've bench pressed for years and I've done all sorts of shit and things like that. And it's, it's beyond like muscle soreness. And the only thing I can pin it down to is that the only difference between uh, regular gym-based activity and things like jiu-jitsu and rock climbing is there's that slight sort of fear response where, A, obviously rock climbing, I'm holding on because I don't want to fall. And jiu-jitsu, I'm, I'm contracting to actually fight because this person wants to hurt me. So it's this... And I... I Again, this is my, just my little theory, but there's just a heightened response from the nervous system. So although I'm contracting the same and more or less the same force is going through, there's this, I don't know, there's this like additional kind of extra signal that's causing that to happen. It's, it's not through my own uh, volition anymore. It's almost like I'm doing this because I have to grab hold of this rock because I'm going to fall. Or I, I have to grab their arm because he's about to choke me. Do you know what I mean? Are you talking during it or after it? It's after it. Like almost the sensation like, my whole arm just goes numb. Interesting. You know? And I start getting the tightness through uh, the biceps, the point where loads of trigger points start forming. And I'd like, well, it's almost like borderline tendonitis now in the biceps tendon, the long head. So you reckon that that threat mechanism is just ramping up your sympathetic response? Yeah. I see. Probably, for sure, to some degree. I wonder, will that diminish the more you, the more you do the activity? Well, I hope so, because it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can't drive, and I, I'm literally, I'm there, and I'm, I'm just holding the bottom of the wheel. Like, I can't lift my arm anymore. It hurts almost to do it. It's like, it's so numb. It's crazy. I've never had it from gym-based stuff. Loads of chin-ups, loads of whatever else. So, like, what's the difference between a, a wide-grip chin-up and a rock climbing? Like, not a huge amount, other than the context of when you're doing it and why you're doing it. It wouldn't be down to volume? It might be the volume. But then I've done loads of sort of... Are, are you, are you like, sore after it? Well, like I used to row. I'd row for hours and I'd never get that. No, I'm not normally sore. Yeah. It's just numb. Like. Hmm. Um, there would definitely be a heightened sympathetic response or activation during the thing you're doing. Yeah. So it wouldn't be surprised if like when you're doing it, you know, peripheral vision is gone. You're just focused on your hand or you're focused on whatever. Hmm. But the after effect... You should almost be like, ah, thank God that's over. I survived. And then everything just relaxes again. Yeah, but it's almost like so much trauma was yeah. suffered through. The, like the well, that could, maybe that's it. Maybe it's just, just neuro fatigue on a full nerve root. Um, yeah. Because it's better the next day. Like, there's no problems the next day. Other than maybe some like soreness in the tendon or whatever else. But like it's not like this lingering numbness. It's literally an hour afterwards. We're getting a bit bro science, you know. But I wonder would that be uh, because the whole nerve is getting t- 
tired because your yeah. whole nervous rather than the motor unit on top of the uh the muscle fiber you know burning out fatiguing as in it's the the motor neuron in the spine so itself. in the gym it's like push 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 pull yeah. pull pull like a very constant very isolated in relation to your whole body yeah but then you'd expect numbness like everywhere do you know but if you or maybe you're hmm, maybe there's just a, a massive amount of co-contraction because it's so new so like yeah. every fiber and every oh it's definitely that like and every little nook and cranny of each muscle in your upper limb from your neck to your fingers yeah, for sure it's uh yeah, I mean, that, you get that with any sort of sport, but man, like you, you'd see it in jiu-jitsu. Like, I went to a class the other day where it was just kind of like an open mat. So there was blue belts and purple belts and brown belts and black belts. And uh, I more or less managed to spar with each. And I've, I used to do it as well. I used to spar with a few, uh, a few guys who were black belts. And it's, it is crazy, the level and skill between each kind of category. So I'm there. I was the only white belt in the class. So I was the bitch. <laughs> and I sparred Make with the this, team, Matt. Uh, I spar with this fucking judo black belt dude who has just started jiu-jitsu, but he was already a blue belt because he already knew half the stuff. And uh, he more or less just threw me around. Like, he was kind. Like, he was uh, bigger than me and he's stronger and he's obviously more adept. So uh, he was more or less playing the game of like, I'm going to let you kind of wrestle around, but I'm not going to let you do anything, do you know? Yeah. But you could tell that there was some struggle. Like, I didn't make it easy on him and he was having to think about yeah. it. And then... Uh, sparring with like the kind of the purple and the brown belts it's like that but slightly heightened so it's like I'm not really having to work but I'm having to think about it and then sparring with the kind of the instructor and I recognized him so I don't know if I, he was maybe used to fight in the UFC or what um, I'm not too good on all their names but this guy like it, do you know it was like he didn't even have to think about it literally just with his feet he stopped me from getting into any sort of side control or anything. Just the way he kind of hooked his toes on my stomach. He was just like, Whoop. and so every time I moved, he would just move and it was just effortless. And then, you know, when he just, I guess, got bored, instant submission. <laughs> he just, done, he just ripped my head like, off. It, yeah, he went like Matrix and it was just, yeah. So yeah, I'd imagine for him, like sparring isn't any sort of yeah. degree of effort unless it's with somebody who is substantially uh, at his level. Testing him, yeah, yeah. But I, even then... And funny enough, it was something that that Jocko Willink guy saying was, he, he made the point that when he spars with like a, another like well-developed black belt, he said that when you watch us kind of go at it, half the time it doesn't even look like we're necessarily doing anything because every little twitch here or yeah. movement there is countered for a movement and it just becomes this whole kind of chess game, you know? So yes, for sure, it's I'm firing on all cylinders yeah, and I'm in like a war and I'm trying not to die. And your brain is firing as well. Yeah. Your brain is trying to figure it all out. Um yeah, I mean, sucks though. Like, it's oh yeah, well, that's all. That's learning a new skill, isn't it? I'd, I'd love to get involved. Yeah, in but like, the numbness. I just have to find time to, to see. Um, all right, well, let's wrap this up. We've gone on for a while. Um, yeah. What have you got coming up? Anything happening? No, no, when do you finish your course? Oh, it'll be three years. This module finishes next next month. Oh, okay. And it's on to neuropsychology stuff and brain trauma and all sorts of things. Amazing, it's interesting, beautiful. Right, well, we'll talk about that again when you come back to it. All right, see you guys. See you.